and I'm not training for the opponent in front of me. Two dudes and a cage. We are back once again with another fighter spotlight. We are your hosts. I'm Charles Clark. And I'm Matt Johnson. Today we have a very special guest with us. We have Miranda Maverick. Miranda is a current UFC fighter. She started with Invicta Fighting Championships in the flyweight division. She has an 11-4 record, 13-4 depending on who you ask. She holds a brown belt in BJJ. She has a master's in psychology. And from what I can tell, she is an all-around amazing person who's living life to the fullest. Miranda, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, and thanks for all the prep leading up to the interview. Yeah, why don't, why don't you start with uh, telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so, well, you gave a lot of the MMA information and stuff. Right now, I'm out with Team Elevation out here in Denver, Colorado. Um, I started training in Springfield, Missouri, um, and trained with them until I was a fairly high-level pro with Invicta. Um, and then I moved out to Virginia and trained with the House of Muay Thai and Element BJJ um, as I started to get into the UFC in my later part of my Invicta career, um, because I was doing grad school out there at Old Dominion University. And as soon as basically COVID came and I was able to move and do school remotely, I moved out here to Denver, uh, just because I thought it was the best team basically world that I could come train with. They have a lot of female fighters out here, a lot of high level female fighters and a lot of great coaches. And it's just been, I think a great way to develop my career and just get better and better as time goes on. Um, I'm also married. My little sister just moved out here last week to start training with me, and she's an MMA fighter as well, um, just an amateur, but she's working her way up. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. So how did you get into fighting? Well, when I was 16 years old, I went up to my dad and asked him if I could go train formally at a gym because we had been training for several years at home, just kind of goofing off, playing around, wrestling. But we'd pause the UFCs and like go on quarter speed and be like, how'd they do that arm bar? How'd they do this choke? And learn that way basics of jujitsu. Like I knew arm bars and choke holds and things like that by the time I got into the gym. But when I entered the gym, I was actually the only female uh, in Springfield Fight Club, and slowly it grew to have a few more, mainly because I started fighting. Um, but I was just interested in jujitsu at first, purely for self defense, and wanted to compete to see how good I could be in jujitsu. And then uh, watched some amateur fights at one point when I was 17, and I was like, wow, these girls aren't that good. I think I could do better than that. And my coaches were like, well, I haven't seen you get punched in the face yet. And I was like, well, I've grew up on a farm, I've been kicked by a cow. Like, I think I'll be all right. And had my first fight and I said if I won that fight and I enjoyed basically hitting another woman because I was worried I'd be like oh sorry the whole time then I'll go be the best I can be and both those things happened awesome awesome so you've been commentating fights recently uh do you think it helps you with your game and to help analyze other fighters to give you a better understanding how you might need to perform um, absolutely. Um, it's more me studying video on my opponents, though, than anything that helps me, I think. Um, and I don't really focus on getting ready for a certain opponent. For instance, Shanna, my last fight, like she had a lead high kick that we made sure we worked in the training and my sparring partners. But other than that, I'm just focused on being the better version of me every time I walk into the cage. I'm training for, you know, Valentina or whoever's the champion. I'm not training for the opponent in front of me. But what I think has most helped me technically get ready for fights and be better as a fighter and competitor is coaching. 
um, not necessarily commentating, but like when I coach kids class, you have to learn every little detail of that move or else they'll get it wrong because they don't understand. And once you start coaching and having to look at those details, it really helps improve my overall game. Yeah, that makes totally sense. It helps you break down the moves and memorize it and, and really learn it. So I, I definitely like that aspect of it. So, yeah, you said, you mentioned your sister, Skyler. Yeah, she just won the, the belt, and I forget the league, but I kind of have been following her. Um, she fought uh, someone I knew from another gym. and uh, So do you train with her? Did she kind of come up in your shadows? Did you inspire her? How did all that come about? I mean, you'd have to ask her if I inspired her, but I think she at least saw that I was successful in what I'm doing, and she's always been athletic as well. She started more the wrestling road than the jiu-jitsu road. Um, but has a great ground base and grappling base and is kind of like me in terms of like not having any striking experience. But she started a Springfield Fight Club about eight months ago um, where I had started as well and did pretty good working her way up. She's 3-0 now as an amateur, um, but she has a lot of holes in her game and her moving out here. I think will help her progress faster than she would have been able to just from having training partners her size um, and being around very high-level athletes all the time. And I train with her, yes, but at the same time, no. So any kind of, like, uh, technical classes, I will go with her, like, just to drill. Um, but any kind of sparring or live goes, I usually don't go with her just because, to be honest, I'm at a different level right now, and she's going to have to – so her sparring, for instance, will be more with, like, the amateur girls and a couple of the pro girls, where mine is all with the, the girls that are high-level, like, getting ready for their own fights. That makes sense. You'd probably kick my ass. So that's understandable. So you Butter. mentioned that uh, you have a master's in. Go ahead. Have, you have a ma sorry. You have a master's in psychology. Um, do you think that, like, what you've learned in psychology, do you think that helps you kind of like get in your opponent's head or uh, helps you break down analytically? I guess it all kind of goes together. You know, I don't think I really use it. And I'm like, oh, let me use reverse psychology on these people. Um, but definitely when I started out, if anything, it helped me like analyze their interviews and be like, I think this girl's scared or it seems like she's focused more on the media than anything, you know, but not really. It's a total separate thing. And that's why I have it. I like having a background that I can go back to in case failing didn't work out or I'm sorry, in case fighting didn't work out, or in case there was some failure on the part of me having an injury or something like that, a lot of these fighters get done with their career and they start back to the beginning as far as careers. And they don't really have any go unless they decide to be a coach. And for myself, I wanted to have a background where I could jump into basically a good job if I wanted to. Yeah, yeah, it makes total sense. So, so you recently got married in June. Do you want to mention your husband? Talk about him. How'd you guys meet? Uh, what makes you love him so much? Uh, just what type of guy he is? Um, you know, I always thought that I'd have to date a guy that also trained that was a martial artist because of you know jealousy is a thing with me always training with guys in the past. Um, but then also just because I didn't think they'd understand how much I trained or how much I put into the sport or me being gone a lot. And he ended up not even knowing what MMA was hardly when we met. And uh, it's been an interesting journey of him really getting involved with MMA, not necessarily competing, but just 
knowing about it and looking up other fighters and being like, hey, did you see this on the news? And trying to watch what I'm doing and be like, why didn't you do this or that? And, you know, asking questions and being really intrigued and started jujitsu at one point, hurt his back a little bit, but he'll probably go back into it. He's definitely more of the lifter type, you know, the that kind of athlete. And that's fine. And it works for us perfect because I don't have to talk about fighting 24-7. I can get home and talk about life instead. Yeah, um, yeah. I honestly didn't know if I'd ever really meet anybody and wasn't really looking, and there it was. Nice. Awesome. That's a great story. Tends to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, a lot of uh, fans, you know, don't know how, like, it all starts when you get a fight. Uh, how does a fight come about? I'm assuming as, you're, as a pro, you have a manager so do they contact the manager or does like Sean Shelby, for instance, like contact you directly? Do they give you like, say you're fighting this person or do they give you options and you get to choose? You typically don't get options until you're like top five, I would say, um, or have like a great running streak and they're like, Hey, we have this person. And then, uh, they might throw you another name too. Sometimes, um, I've always just been thrown one name and been like, take it or leave it. And usually I take it. Um, Mick contacts my manager, though, not myself. However, at the beginning of my career, like amateur, low-level pro, you just message the owner or the promoter right away, and you'd be like, hey, I'm ready to fight. You have anybody? I'll be ready this date. And, th and that's just how it works. It's not very formal, where now it has to do with maybe I say no to a fight. I don't want to have a direct connection to where it gets emotionally straining or something like that. So you have the manager work out all the kinks. Uh, for instance, like, if I have a girl drop out of a fight, I don't really want to have that personal, like, interaction with them and be like, really? You're not going to take the fight? You know, so it's good having a middleman. For sure. Yeah, I bet it helps alleviate some of the, the stressful. I know my coach takes care of most of that for me, and I just, he just, hey, hey, I got you a fight. And I'm like, cool, you know. And that's, like, obviously now I'll, I'll usually be like, all right, give me, Unless it's something very obvious, I'll be like, give me 24 hours, I'm going to go look them up, I'm going to watch their videos, I'm going to talk to my coaches. My dad's usually one of the first people I call because he knows the roster way better than I do even, which is always funny. Um, talk to my husband, like find out that all the dates and times work for everyone because sometimes that's a concern too. Sometimes it's not the opponent, sometimes it's just, well, both my coaches are out of town or I plan on being out of town, whatever the case is. Nice. Yeah, there's a lot that, that goes into it. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. So you have an upcoming seminar coming up. Uh, going to put some pictures on the screen. Let's talk about the seminar, the dates. What are you going to teach? Uh, where is it going down at? Uh, all the info about it. Yeah, so I seem to not have too many fans out there, but hopefully this will get more people. Oh, you, got, you got lots of fans. Des Moines, Iowa, so it's in a little town called Leon, and it is a small town, uh, but it's within 45 minutes, I think, of Des Moines, so pretty easy drive. Um, I'm teaching women's self-defense, I'm teaching jiu-jitsu, and I'm teaching a striking class, and a lot of them are actually teenagers and kids in the Leon area that actually compete out of a gym called Underdog Sports, and that's where I'm doing the seminar. It'll be January 20th and 21st. I also do private lessons. I'll have my merchandise with me, and I might even be setting up a meet and greet. We're trying to iron out those details um, in a couple days. So check it out, January 20th and 21st near Des Moines, Iowa, Jiu-Jitsu, Striking, 
and self-defense. So welcome for everyone, right? I teach a lot of women during the self-defense ones. I encourage them to bring their husbands, their kids, like whoever they want to bring so that they can have a realistic person to throw around. I don't like just the women ones and not having a guy to where they don't believe in it. You know, I always like bringing a bigger guy in. Even my husband has been my training partner for some because he's a bigger guy. And I'll be like, look, I can toss him around pretty easily. And it's always <laughs> a fun time. And then the strength will go all the way from the basics to high level, depending on everyone's, uh, I guess, uh, experience level. Yeah, come learn from one of the best, and then go to Adventureland after. It's like thirty minutes away. Yeah, they, I'm gonna have to check out that place. It it's fun. I'm born and raised in the Midwest, so it was a nice little drive. Nice. I, I think you have a lot of fans. Matt and I are personally fans, but you know, I, I think part of it is uh, being being a woman in MMA is, is kind of hard. You know, they don't necessarily get the same respect uh, that the men get. Uh, they're not as this widely known. Um, do Do you think uh, you know? There's a lot of things you have to overcome in this sport. What What, what are some of those things that necessarily you have to overcome just to just to be in this sport? Yeah, for sure. So I'll look at two different sides of it. I think one, it's good to be a girl because there's not as much competition as there are with the men. You know, it is easier to get where I'm at in terms of competition level, right? However, the training part, like for instance, I told you I was the only female when I started out and I was a teenager and it was very uncomfortable for me and it took me a long time to kind of adjust. And you find those couple guys in the gym, whether it be coaches or training partners that you're like, I know this person isn't going to let somebody do something weird to me and that they're going to like have my back. And then there's other times where I'm like, this person really is weird. And like, you have to confront, you have to be really confrontational as a female. A lot of times, like there's a lot of drama that goes on in gyms. And a lot of times it's very, relationshipy almost and it can get oh, just yeah and so as a female you've got to be like leave me alone no right. i say and, and sorry there's some guys that get a little too touchy-feely kind of use the grappling to the advantage uh yeah. and, and we we don't we don't put at my, at, uh, my gym we don't put up with that at all you will get kicked out of the gym quick for doing shit like that it's hey. I'd go up to a coach and be like, hey, this guy, you know, basically groped me or whatever. And, of course, they'll be like, oh, I was just – and I'm like, no, you weren't no. just – the third time isn't just that. And so the coach would, like, you know, throw a fit in the middle of the whole gym and kick him out. And I was always like, yeah, that makes me feel better, you know. And then coaching and stuff, I've had a lot of other females that come up to me and tell me about those times because they don't feel comfortable even talking to a guy about it. And I've had to be the one that – kicks out a guy or brings it to the front. Um, so yeah, those are some challenges. Um, and then other than that, obviously like just the size and strength level, when I started out having guy training partners, it's really hard to know how good I am or how bad I am because all these guys, if they're halfway decent amateurs, most of them can beat me up. I know that sounds ridiculous, but you know, the size and strength advantage is there. And once they start having a similar skill level, it's hard to compete. You know, it's one thing to go against someone untrained. Yes, I'm pretty confident I could beat up the average guy who doesn't train. However, like if they train and even if they're my size and they've been training for two, three years, they should know enough. To, <laughs> they should know enough that their size would, would be an advantage. Like I get hit by some amateur that's my size and I'm like, how? Wow, that was harder than I ever get hit by girls. And they may not be bigger. It's just it's different different biologically which gets into a whole nother topic of the nowadays thing right right that makes sense yeah i i don't typically spar a lot uh with women um we we only have one 
uh, yeah. we only have two women fighters that are at my gym. So I just don't, I don't have that much experience in that aspect. So, um, I know before you've mentioned, I know it wasn't here, but you said that, uh, you, you did say that you and your dad would like, uh, slow down speed. And I know, uh, it was brought up that like Ronda Rousey was one that you would like break down. And you also mentioned that you did your first amateur fight to decide if you were going to stay or leave like competing. You also grew up on a farm. And you have, to me, you have a style like Matt Hughes, where you are physically stronger than a lot of your competition. Do you think that helped you when you started training, like the farm background and just the physical strength? I always joke that strength is my strength, even now. Like, I get away with stuff I shouldn't be able to get away with every once in a while, just because, yeah, technique's great. And I wish... I could give myself a shot that took away 50% of my strength and I could go train. I think it would help me technically improve at a faster rate just because like, I get away with a lot. Um, and other girls are like, how'd you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. I just grabbed you and squeezed, you know, or whatever it is. And at the beginning of my career, that was definitely the case, especially in my striking. I just swing at people and it basically got me, got me as far as I got without learning any striking to begin with. Um, you look credit. <laughs> thank you. I'm in off season right now, so it's bulking, but it's all right. <laughs> Bulk season for me too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. So, what advice do you have for uh, women or anybody trying to get into MMA? No, it's a hard road, and know that it's a hard road. No, you're not going to make any money anytime soon. Um, I, I tell my sister that. You know, I'm like, you're going to be poor for a while if this is the road you choose. But um, another thing that I tell her and I tell other women is promote promote yourself. I don't necessarily agree with promoting yourself by throwing your nude body all over the internet, um, although some women choose that way, but promote yourself by figuring out your values, outlining them, and and make yourself like a little pamphlet or, you know, just write out a paragraph and be like, this is who I am, this is what I represent, and this is why I could represent your company well. And understand that you're worth something. Like, don't go begging for money and be like, well, I don't know what I can do for you. Like, if you have a social media platform, use it. It's advertisement. It's advertisement for these companies that decide to sponsor you. Um, products that you use every day, like you can get them sponsored. For instance, Northern Chill sponsors me. I go through 10 water bottles a day. Like it's pretty nice to have that. And I can obviously use faucet water, but I couldn't back in Virginia. I was having to buy my water bottles. So, you know, that, you know, your food, your meal prep, nutrition took me forever to get down. My dad always tormented me and was like, you're a little heavy, you're this, like you could be leaner. If you're going to be a professional athlete, you need to look like one. And I was always like, I do. I, I look the best I've ever looked. And it's like now I look back and I'm like, man, I was I was not looking the best I could have looked. And now I walk around much leaner than I did then by like, I don't know, seven pounds. And it makes a big difference. You know, it's a huge difference. So all these people who are like, well, I'll do it when I turn pro. I'll do it later. It takes a long time for your body to start adjusting to a consistent lifestyle. And I get now to where grapes are a sweet treat for me, you know, and it should be that way. Yeah, yeah. That's what my coach says too. It's a lifestyle, and you gotta live it. You know, if you wanna if you wanna be at the top, you gotta you gotta live that lifestyle. 
Yep. And training, you know, you can't just look around and compare to others too. Like you got to compare to how you're doing. Like I train more than most of the girls and that's just me. That's for me. One, I like food and the more I train, the more I get to eat, you know, and that's just the truth of it. But also I like focusing on my technique. Like you said, I am strong. I am strong and that's never been a problem for me. So I don't have to focus on my strength so much as my conditioning. So I do a lot more conditioning than the average girl does versus their strength. Um, and I do a lot more technical stuff because I'm trying to improve my technique. I don't have to worry so much about my cardio and strength stuff when I'm literally sparring, you know, three times a week. It's like, there's my cardio right there. I'm in shape. I'm ready to fight. I will say you mentioned something that is very important, not just for fighting, but for women and men in general. You said know your worth. I, I like okay. that. Um, back with fighting. How long... Do you think someone should train before they take their first amateur fight? And how long did it take you? I know you started at 16, 17. But. Yeah, I uh, I think it's different for every single person. And a lot of it's due to pure athleticism and talent. And uh, that's kind of unfair to say, but it's true. Um, for myself, I started striking three weeks before I took my first fight three weeks which is not what I'd tell anyone else to do but I did already have a grappling background and I was already uh very strong compared to other females and it just paid off for me my sister she had a little bit of a wrestling background she went in she trained I think she had her first fight within a month of her first time training in jiu-jitsu or anything and just dominated the fight um it was beautiful it was great and had her first three fights right away. And so now I'm making her step back, take a little break, learn, and then go fight again. Because everybody's out to get her since she's my little sister. Yeah, of course. Yeah, everybody's like black belt judo, black belt jujitsu, or they've been striking for seven years, a Muay Thai champion of the world. And they're like, I'll fight her. And I'm like, no. That's yeah, like right. <laughs> I had this guy, he's a black belt. He's like, oh, I want to fight him. I'm like, yeah, I bet you do. Yeah. <laughs> Sure. Thanks, guy. Exactly. And, you know, I had somebody go and they were like, oh, she's a coward. I'm like, well, one, I'm her manager. So you can call me that if you want to, but not her. I was like, two, you guys are being assholes. Like, just because she's my little sister doesn't mean she's been training with me every day for the last. Just like, no. But, yeah, it's different for everyone. I've seen some people that I really, truly would not have them go in a cage after five years of training. They just don't improve or they just aren't fighters. Some people are not fighters. You know, I think for everyone. Um, because you don't have to compete. You can just learn the basics. Fighting is not for everyone. And a lot of people are awesome in the gym. Awesome training partners. They just kick butt. Like I have a somebody, you know, in the past that I've been like, wow, they're amazing. They're going to go be the best. And then they get in the fight and they're just like, and they never do anything. And I'm like, what? You beat my butt in the gym. You beat this person's butt. And then you go out there and you can't do anything. Um, so relate to that. <laughs> So it's just a mental thing, and, and I don't know how long it would take somebody to train. It depends on the person. For sure, yeah, that's a that's a great answer. I, I yeah, yeah. So man, this, man, everybody knows it. Everybody sees it. Man, these judges are going absolutely crazy these days. A good example for you, the Macy Barber fight. I, I may be a little biased. You won. I think you won that fight. I really do. I think there's a lot of people out there that think you won that fight as well. What What's up with the judges? I mean, come on. What do you think? 
I think 99% of people think I won, and the only people who say I didn't are somebody who lost money on it, you know. Um, but it just makes me so mad. After the fight, I put out a post that I thought was very respectful. You know, I was like, I didn't do enough. You know, next time I'll do better, blah, blah, blah. And then, thank goodness I didn't rewatch it beforehand. Then I sat down with my dad, my manager, my coaches, and we watched the fight right there in the hotel room when we got back. And I was like, what in the, like, in your mind as a fighter, and you probably know, if you get hit one time in a round, you might think you lost it. Yeah. Uh, like, really, I'm like, oh, I got hit a couple times. I don't know if I won that round or not, even though I hit them, you know, five times as much. But when I got back to the room and watched, I didn't think without a doubt that I had lost, you know. I thought I had won that fight. And it's something that I hope will just pay off in the long run. Maybe it slowed my road and it's going to give me a better future in the sport. I don't know. And even if it doesn't, <laughs> you know, so too bad. Things happen. And that same, well, not both of them, but some of those judges repeatedly make bad decisions, repeatedly have the same things happen. And there just needs to be better scoring. I think one thing that would help is having retired MMA fighters do it. Somebody who's actually been in that sport instead of other sports that are related because they're going to favor boxing, for instance. They're going to favor just the grappling or just control time. To be honest, I don't know what they were watching in that one, though, because I felt like I had all of that down. So maybe they thought I was Macy and she was me. I don't know what happened. I, <laughs> I agree with the MMA fighters. Um, I know like Frank Trigg is uh, a referee, and I think if the UFC could get away with probably not open scoring, because I do understand their thoughts of that, but Hiring some of these veteran fighters and starting their own, you know, it, judging pool. Uh -huh. uh, like John McCarthy, you know, his son was on the Patty Pimblett one and he called him out and said, You got that yeah. wrong. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. If not, have them watch mock fights and judge them and train them based on that and be like, What the hell are you watching? No. You know, have them do five or ten before they're allowed to judge instead of just okay you know the rules here's your certificate which i know they have some training but i don't think it's actually watching mock fights and judging them mm. it's like a day of training isn't it just to get your yeah, yeah because i was asked to do it one time and i didn't just because i was coaching instead that time but i was like no this is stupid like that's all you have to do like this is ridiculous yeah, I think they should yeah. make a more headphone like noise canceling headphones too cuz i feel like if the crowd goes loud when you know an opponent or someone else hits them and when the other person hits and it's not as loud they're like oh this person's definitely winning that's why coaches go away you know or whatever even my coach hey. like everybody touch them you know and they're like eh, i'm influencing commentators on yeah exactly that didn't hurt you know all that yeah, it could be just the sports betting and the, the craziness with that, and and or because of the popularity of Macy Barber because she shakes her ass, you know. But <laughs> it could be many things, honestly. Yeah. So, who do you think is the best women fighter? Oof, that one's hard. You know, Valentina showed that she's very good, and people are like, "Well, beat her," and I'm like, "Yeah, Amanda also walks around heavier than her by about thirty pounds, so it's a little." Like, Valentina moved up the weight class, so you can't really compare that. So her and Nunez are up there, you know, so far the greatest of all time. I don't like the whole greatest of all time words, though, because it always changes every single day. 
it's like, were they the greatest of their time? Yes. Were they the greatest of all time? I think we've yet to see a greatest of all time. I don't think there ever can be because everyone's always improving. You know, even medical enhancements as far as supplements and stuff like that are improving. Whether it's steroids or not, like creatine nowadays is 10 times effective than it was 10 years ago, you know? So that stuff is all um, comparative. I think that uh, Yang Weilei, she's going to be very good. Um, I think she's in the time that she's been at the top level. I think she's shown kind of her abilities, and I think she's very good as well. That's a great point. I know it's you know, basketball, but like Michael Jordan, LeBron James, you know, uh-huh. the argument of greatest of all time. Yeah, Jordan in his era and LeBron at 38 still doing what he does. Like you said, you can't fit all time in one era. Like the Agreed. game evolves and everything changes. So, have you ever been in a street fight? <laughs> not not really. Um, not one since I was young, and I never actually, like, I shouldn't say didn't fight back, but I would always just restrain them, you know? Like, it was always women, usually, when I was younger, in high school or even middle school, and they'd, like, slap me or hit me or something, because I, uh, I was one of the kids that would always call you out and call you a liar when you were a liar, and I had a girl smack me for it. I was, like, team captain of the track team. And I just, like, picked her up over my shoulder and carried her into the coach's office and, like, threw her down on the ground. Like, I never got in real fights because it was never really a competition. I had a guy, like, in second grade that I bloodied his nose. That's about it. And since I've been an adult, uh, the most I've ever done is, like, I guess hit someone for being a pervert, basically. But not, like, a full-blown fight. Yeah, yeah, you definitely have to be careful of it now, being a, a public figure. And For sure. Yeah, yeah, that would just, that could be clear being fighting outside of the cage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a lot more trouble, especially for me, especially against other females in general. Like, I can get in big trouble, and I've got to watch out for that. Um, you know, there's been a couple times I won't talk about on here that I've, almost had to use more force than just my fist. Like I can still carry all the time and there's been a couple of scary instances, but thank goodness. Like I've never had it actually initiated to the point I had to do anything. And, uh, I try to protect myself and teach in my self-defense classes too, to where it never gets to that point and never be around people on your own, you know, as a female, like, um, I'm big about don't go anywhere that things could happen bad. Don't be by yourself. Don't go to these bars by yourself. You know, it's, silly right right just be smart about it for sure and it seems like you got a really good head on you um you must even you must have some good parents you know (laughs) i think i do some of the best and so you know i i personally know like in the back they go over the rules that's considered your first warning and what do you think about all these dirty fighters? They they grab the cage, they eye poke, they grab the glove, they groin kick. Uh, man, they basically know that they can cheat and get away with it um, before they get a point and take it to the lane. It's it's just dirty, you know. What do you think about that? I think one, it's like a life or death scenario in there. For some people, it's almost reactionary. I know that I grabbed the cage for my first ever pro fight, um, and it was. It wasn't on purpose, for sure, but it was just, like, natural to do it. And I was like, well, and, like, they told me to stop, and I stopped. But I've talked to my coach, and he's like, yeah, you know, if they can't see it, why not? If you're getting the crap kicked out of you, like, 
you might as well try to defend yourself however possible. And I've had it happen to me so many times in fights. Like, I've been eye-poked a couple times. And this last fight, I got eye-poked, um, which for me is scary just because I've had my eye surgery and stuff. And my eyes are very sensitive. And the ref was like, are you okay, fighter? Are you okay? And I said yes. And I joked with my coaches afterwards. I was like, I can't believe I said yes. Like, it hurt so bad the whole entire round. And I was like, I should have said no and, like, taken a second. But I didn't because it wasn't, like, bad enough that I couldn't see. And then, uh, like, she grabbed my gloves a couple times as I was trying to pull my hands out. I'm like, but at the same time, it's like I was beating her up. Like, who wouldn't try to do something, you know? Like, even if you got a point taken away, you might as well at that point. And then uh, Sabina Mazo is the only fighter that I've had that I felt like intentionally was being, like, bad. She grabbed a hold of my hair, and you can see it in the uh, late part of the first round, and that's where I got my elbow, or my eye swollen up from her just grabbing my hair and pulling my head into her elbow. And did it, like, three times. <laughs> and then the ref finally, like, I was just stuck in her guard. I was fine and damaging her worse. But the ref finally came over and told her to let go of my hair, and I was like, you just now saw it? Like, come on. Yeah. Do you think, um, the gloves i know like a natural reaction you put your hand out like for range do you think uh like trevor whitman has those gloves that kind of force your hands to like still able to grab but force them to close more do you think different gloves would help eliminate ipo or minimize eye pokes it, it could, but then it hurts other things. Like, I think that MMA gloves are the best for grappling. They're a lot easier to clinch and, like, grab a hold of things. It just needs to be a discipline on training. Um, like, for instance, in my gym, we're very insistent about keep your hands closed the whole time we're sparring, which I like to think I brought that in a little bit because of my eyes. And I was just, from the day I got here, I was like, don't poke me in the eye, you know, to all these people. And so we've been, like, really focusing on keeping the hands clenched when you spar, when you train, when you do anything, including wrestling, um, because you'll get, like, freaking skinned on the face, the oh, like, keeping the tape on, keeping the hands shut. And I think it just needs to be more around the whole gym uh what am i trying to say like persona of all these gyms across the world and a lot don't focus on it and a lot train in big gloves until like close to their fights so then they're not used to having to clinch their hands it's just kind of naturally that way mm -hmm. and i think it needs to be intentional on fighters and coaches part yeah i i do it a lot uh i do when i parry a lot my hands open i'm really bad at it uh Bard calls me out on it all the time, uh, and, and as soon as you do it in the cage, they're really the referees are really adamant about it. As soon as I open up my hands, they say something. Watch your fingers. I don't even have to put my hand out. I just opened up my hand like this, and the ref was like, "Watch your fingers." I was like, "Damn, I didn't even block." You know, so they're refs are they're butt chewed about it. I think is what it is, and so they've been really big about it. Like the refs when they come into the back now are like, "I'm not giving you." first time you poke them in the eye you're done that doesn't always happen if it's shown that it's very unintentional you know like if it's in the middle of a clinch or something but they haven't been better about it i think at least stopping for a few minutes so what are your thoughts on jake paul his stance with fighter pay do you think what he wants is good or do you think he's doing it more as a publicity to get more eyes on his promotion and his, what he's got going on. I, I think that his intentions are for his personal gain. 
but I also think that his points are valid. You know, I think at the end of the day, he was trying to get himself more money and it worked out. Um, but I also think fighters need paid more and I'm really not going to talk more on it because, uh, we get seemingly punished for talking about it. Oh yeah. I don't, I don't want to get you to <laughs> my thought outside of it. And I know you can't agree or disagree. I think if they went away from the prize fighter aspect where like eight and eight and they had a lump sum because I know it's not a lot, but like the national average of median income is 52,000. So if they, instead of, you know, a fighter has a chance to win 24,000 if they go on a skid, where if they just 16 as the minimum or even, you know, raise it to 25, I think fighter pay would change. I definitely think their minimum needs to be higher. And I think part of it could be like an actual yearly salary, kind of like one does to where regardless of whether you fight three times or one time, whatever, like you're getting paid just to be on the promotion to begin with. Like they make a ton of money. It's not like they're not making enough money to at least throw 10 grand to each fighter just for being on the roster. You know? Um, then on top of that, like you, I look at the national average of athletes, professional athletes oh, pay and we're way higher. Yeah, we get less paid than golf players and pool players. Like, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the average pro fighter makes like 500 and 500 in their pro debut. You know, it's really not that much money. Yeah, I think that's exactly what I got. NFL league minimum is 500,000. So. 750, I think, now. Mm. I think it, yeah, it's, it's a Great. difference. I will say. I'm not trying to cut off because I'm the one who was late, as we can tell the whole audience. But um, I've got to go in about five minutes, if that's all right. Oh, yeah. Sounds good. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll hurry up and finish it up then. <laughs> all right. All right. So, so what do you think about the Cain Velasquez? He just recently got released. Yeah, I saw that. I, I'm glad for him. You know, obviously he did a dumb thing in terms of shooting the wrong person. But at the end of the day, I think that we all are like ingrained to feel that sense of justice and feel like some justice is deserved in certain cases when the justice system itself doesn't do good enough. Um, so I definitely feel for him. It wasn't like it was a crime of planning and, you know, trying to seek out the worst for this person. It was more just a crime of passion. And I think automatically those shouldn't be charged near what, you know, basically planning. I'm forgetting the word right now. But uh, planning for a murder and things like that should be. Premeditated. Um, yeah, yeah, premeditated. So I'm glad that he got out and is okay. Right. So women's sports, man, they are under fire right now. Uh, there's this new thing. There's going to be uh, a boxing transgender league. I just saw a message on that. What do you think about transgender athletes and potentially having to fight someone who's tran transgender? You know, yeah. uh, there's a few transgender. Topic earlier. Um, I think they should have their own league if they're going to do it at all. I'm glad that they have their own. You know, you don't see men or I'm sorry, you don't see women having transgender and then trying to fight with the men. You see the opposite way and that one yeah mm -hmm. i think there's a reason for it because they have an advantage already and you know doctors um i lose absolute all respect for any doctor any anyone who says that if they change early enough there's not going to be differences biologically like especially as a doctor or a scientist like you know that stop like i can see in a, a younger sibling like as soon as like before puberty like they're already stronger than the other girl like, it's not, it's not going to matter. There's so many differences, especially these transgender that we have seen in fighting. 
look at how they looked before they decided to go on all this hormone therapy and stuff. And if they did change before puberty, which I hope isn't legal anytime soon, it's still not any different. I see it as they need to have their own league, period. And there needs to be one for transgender of women going to men and men going to women. Sure. And if separated, that's their own fault. And they're like, well, you guys are being, you know, discriminatory or this or that. And I'm like, are you saying that men and women should be together then? Because same thing in my eyes. And I just got done talking about how a guy my own size that's lesser skilled can whoop my ass. And like, I don't feel like fighting someone who's been a 200 pound man that looks like he's a bodybuilder two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. It's like worth a conversation and anybody who argues any different, I just don't even want to talk to him anymore. Not even worth trying to argue. It's not. It's like for me as a Christian trying to argue with someone who isn't just like, well, I don't believe. They're like, but why do you believe? And why that? Like, I'm like, okay, just I'm not going to argue with you because you're not going to listen to me anyway. Right. They already have their mind made up. They already, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Awesome. <laughs> so I know you got to go. Um, can you tell us where we can get some? Badass Fear the Maverick merch and any sponsors you'd like to thank? Absolutely. Fearthemaverick.net, super easy to remember. If you look up .com, it'll come up too. Um, but fearthemaverick.net, I have all kinds of merchandise for winter, for summer, um, boxing gloves for the actual sports, uh, all kinds of things that just came out actually just this past month um, for Christmas and the release for 2023, so go check it out. Um, and then as far as my sponsors, you can go on my Instagram at fear the maverick. You'll see all kinds of them all the time. I have absolute nature that has all these CBD products. I use their rubs a lot more than anything to help with my soreness. I have Northern chill. That's the water I drink every day, all the time. I have clean eats here in Denver that I get all my meal prep from that helps me every single fight camp. Um, and then my gyms here at Denver, I couldn't thank them enough. And then any other sponsors that you guys want to check out. They'll be all over my Instagram. Still looking for new ones. So is my sister. So if you have any interest in sponsoring me, just hit me up. Awesome. Awesome. This has been an amazing interview. Two dudes in a cage. Miranda Maverick. Check out her website. Come to her seminar. Buy some of her merchandise. Hit up her sponsors. Follow her on Instagram. Be a fan. I know we are. Thank you so much for joining us today. This was great. We really appreciate you. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate it.